1: Get things going on a Calgary Flames game day. The Flames welcoming in the Red Hot Boston Bruins to the Scotia Bank Saddle Dome. Kicking off a three-game homestand with the NHL's trade deadline just on the horizon. Welcome to SportsNet. Today it's Logan Gordon along with you. Outstanding production team of Cam and Taylor in the other room. Lots to get to on the show today. We'll obviously chat all things Flames and Bruins ahead of this Tuesday night matchup at the Scotiabank Saddledome between your Calgary Flames and the number one team in the National Hockey League. We picked up a win against the Edmonton Oilers on Monday night. We'll do that with Pete Labardius coming up in just moments. Tuesdays also mean our check-in with Bik Nazar from Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. See what storylines are percolating on the West Coast ahead of the trade deadline. Still a couple of interesting names on the trade boards around Luke Shen, possibly Brock Besser. We'll get Bixfield on that. We'll head back to the Saddle Dome, hear from a couple of members of the Calgary Flames on a game day and take a look at the opposition, the Boston Bruins, with Ian McLaren coming up a little bit later on on the program. But let's kick things off like we always do, heading down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline and saying hello to the color voice of the Calgary Flames. He's Peter Labardius, and he joins us every single day to kick off the program, and he is brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit the Gemini Group ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, sir?
0: I am very fine, thank you.
1: Good to hear. Uh, how did you enjoy the festivities last night in Edmonton? A good game between the Oilers and the Bruins. Well,
0: it was a great hockey game, and it certainly, at least by my standards, lived up to its billing. And really great, Logan, to have an opportunity, as I always like to do, when I can, to watch a team before the Flames play them. But it's also different when you get to do it in person because I can watch all the games on TV. I never feel like I get as good a read as I do when I'm in the rink. And so for anybody who hasn't seen the Boston Bruins this year and are asking themselves why they are having this incredible run, which is Pretty historic in nature. It almost takes me back to, not quite, but you know, a Montreal or two team in the '70s. They're 46, eight and five. And I've heard a couple of things in the last 24 hours, and then what I witnessed. Jay Woodcroft yesterday in the assessment of playing against Boston talked about, well, they just happened. To do what they do and their details longer and more consistently than anyone and then so I took that information and thought about it when I watched them play Logan they are not the flashiest team in the National Hockey League I would say in David Pasternak they have one game breaker type But the Boston Bruins, details and their commitment and how connected they are and how smart they are. And with the leadership that helps pave the way, they are what I would call a great collection of individuals and thus a terrific team. Analytically, they check every box. Special teams wise they are excellent goals for and against well certainly goals against the best in the league their goalie one of them as in Linus Almark, who the Flames will have to deal with tonight well on his way to winning a Vezza they are deep on defense Matt Grizzlick couldn't even get in last night so they have seven guys who are more than good enough to get in everybody's top six. When they play, when they don't have anything, they live to fight another shift. They move pucks out. They use one another very well. Their puck support in their own zone is outstanding, led by Bergeron and the return of David Krejci. They are truly an excellent team that does it as a team and play the right way for how they need to go about their business. It was thoroughly enjoyable to watch them and be in a position to do it against you know two certainly the most premier player on planet earth and one of the top five or six premier players on planet earth and last night the collective sum of parts were better and won a game on a night where Connor McDavid was still a huge story and scored twice and hit the 50 plateau. This is a fabulous
1: hockey team. Yeah, there's, uh, I love how you put that, Lou. There's very little weaknesses in this group right now. And Jim Montgomery's come in and deservedly gotten a lot of praise for the work that he's put in with this group because he's allowed them to do more of the things that I think make them successful, but still understood what he was coming into. And that's, you know, you had a core of guys that lead the way you talk about Bergeron and Krejci coming in there. That's a tough spot to come in as a new coach because you've got to sort of adapt to what's there already, Lou. But at the same time, you want to put your stamp on it, your style of play onto it. And it looks like it's been a really good fit.
0: You know what I think the biggest key for him was? And you know that he's had to battle through some demons of his own Mm -hmm. and has worked really hard to do that. And I promised a couple of people on Twitter who are not very happy with me yesterday, I'm going to stick today to as much about hockey as I can, but oh, I can't oh, oh. forget about, yes, I cannot forget about the fact that including David Krejci and others, you know, Bruce Cassidy, who I think is a whale of a coach too. I think Jim Montgomery went back and really asked the veteran guys on that team what they need and what needs to be different. And he listened and he empowered them. And I think, you know, that has made a huge difference in Boston because I don't care who you are anymore. At some point, the message or how you go about your business, it's going to get tiring. And it doesn't mean you're not good, but I think probably based on his own personal challenges And he's always been a good coach. You know, he did great things at the University of Denver before he made his way to the National Hockey League. I think he realized first and foremost, he has great leaders. And why didn't they think it was working in the last year or so? And I think he listened. And so they they are very, very in sync as a group. They're playing hard. You know, there's three guys who I think about with Boston. So David Krejci was obviously so frustrated and fed up, he left. He went back home. Mm-hmm. But he came back after the change. And he really is. You know, Bergeron and Krejci, when you watch them, and I watched them very close last night, not a lot of separation there. So you have two of the smartest responsible centermen in the game who also know how to win so that's a pretty good place to start I look at the difference in two other guys I know Jake DeBrusque and Bruce Cassidy I know this for a fact they were never really on the same page and Jake DeBrusque yes he plays with Bergeron and Marchand but he is more than holding up his bargain this year when he played and I thought he was dynamite again last night and then one guy you might not even think about pavel zaka a first round pick who came out of junior in the ontario hockey league and had great promise and great skill i don't even recognize him anymore because now he's taken that skill and he believes And he has become the player that many of us thought he could be. So they have depth. They have great people at the most important positions. They have quality veterans. And they're winning. And they're winning. You know, I haven't heard it for myself, but Nick Foligno is, is one of my favorite guys in the league smart, bright, eloquent, comes from a great family, a great hockey family, they just won a 46th game. You listened to his breakdown last night after the game in Edmonton. These guys, it's they still operate every night like they've done nothing. That's the key. They believe. They know they've got something good. The buy-in amongst the whole group is great. There's enough internal competition to keep driving people. They've got it going on. I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup. But they epitomize for me what an excellent team is capable of doing when all the pieces are pulling in the right direction.
1: It's uh, a noticeable challenge for the Calgary Flames tonight, Lou, and uh, a couple of stats that uh, our stats pack bring up every game day that I wanted to highlight as we sort of transition into this one for the Calgary Flames, and we've talked about, you know, the importance of getting off to good starts for this group, and, you know, going back to that Colorado game, Lou, Colorado scored in the first five minutes of every period in that game, and that means every period the Flames were chasing it again That's incredibly important in tonight's game. The Boston Bruins have yet to lose a game in regulation when scoring the first goal this year. They are 30-0-3. That is an incredible record. They've not lost in regulation when that happens. Their period scoring is almost identical, 1-3. through Uh, Getting off to a good start is going to be extremely key for this Flames group tonight, Lou.
2: Yes,
0: it is. But what's even more important against this team is can you do what you do best and stay with it and go to, toe-to-toe with them on that? Can, can your details be good from start to finish? Mm-hmm. Will you waver? So look at last night for an example. They didn't score first last night, but it took them about 10 seconds to get it back. And then when they got the lead, where I think Logan, if I'm not mistaken, they are now like 37-0 and one or 0-2 when leading going into the third. The only time, and it was one of the weirdest things I've ever witnessed, as I look at it, leading after, yeah, they are now after two periods 32-0 and two.
1: Not bad. Leading.
0: Uh, that's okay and they gave the oilers nothing actually their only breakdowns came when the oilers got the net empty and they were actually two men short in the last 2 minutes but before that it was a blanket they gave them nothing and it and it goes back to the starting statement of this hit with jay woodcroft they just do what they do best longer And they outlast people who aren't as consistent, as good, or as detail-oriented as they are. So it would be lovely not to chase. That stat you bring up is very telling. You do not want to chase this team. You'd love not to have to chase them all night. But the other thing that can happen, and it's happened with this team, is this team this year at times has been quite notorious for playing a great period, even getting off to good starts. Logan, let's go back to Colorado. Did you not like their first four or five minutes? I did. Mm -hmm. But then they gave up a goal on really the first mistake they made in the game. And then it was never the same, because they weren't able to truly ever get back to where they were in the first four or five shifts. That matters, too.
1: Yeah, and it's back on home ice for the Calgary Flames, Lou. Uh, Three-game homestand that starts tonight. Some tough opponents here. We're talking about how good Boston's been this year. Toronto's coming into town Thursday. We'll obviously get into that. And then, you know, points-wise, uh, the game on Saturday against Minnesota is going to be uh, a huge key for this group. But that's something, too, that you brought up. Uh, with Daryl Sutter and your chance to chat with him for the coaches show today. And it's something that the uh, head coach was quick to highlight with you. Hey,
0: yes, he was. He he does not feel like a lot of his best players have been good enough, probably period. But I asked him because he made mention of it and I've run the splits too, Logan between home and road. And I think for him, it's more comparing, you know, even guys what they did at home last year in some respects in comparison to this year, because a lot of the home road splits aren't, you know, incredibly lopsided. So I asked him and I don't know how much of it we're going to run, but I asked him about that very subject in a couple of different ways.
1: Because we have some guys that haven't played very well at home this year. If you break it out, that's, that's a fact. And, and uh, they're you know game to game or shift to shift or
0: period to period. We have some guys that really struggle at home for whatever reason this year, and they have to put that away and get going there. So I also followed that up with, and you can hear it tonight, a nice little teaser on Flames' warm-up on our pre-game show between six and seven is I also asked him why he thought that was the case. And Logan with this team and I wish I had the answers. They all wish they had the answers, but in good seasons, you have more answers than questions. That part I am safe with. We have a lot of unanswered questions and questions that players staff, management, anybody around the team, you're still looking for solutions, and you're running out of time.
1: Anybody that's, that stood out to you when you were doing the splits, Lou, when he talks about guys that need they need more at home from?
0: I don't have them directly in front of me, Logan. Okay. Um, and I ran them going into the second last game. There, there hasn't been anybody. Even when I think about, you know, Huberto. There's lots of guys, including Huberto and Lindholm, that have more points on the. There are certainly top players who have more points on the road than they do at home. Okay. Now it's not like it's ten difference or twelve difference. But there are a lot of two and three and fours and fives, so it, it's it's not quite as noticeable. At least it wasn't when I ran that a couple of games ago. But it certainly isn't great in comparison to a year ago. And it's, it's certainly an area that needs to be better. That is for absolute sure. Like, you know, there are also other cases that going into the last road trip, Mackenzie Weger was 11 at home and four on the road. But Hannafin, because it's really the last time I ran them, was 13 on the road, eight at home. Huberto was... 15 and 18 the last time I ran Lindholm. He was pretty much dead even and Kadri actually better at home. Now, after the road trip, it's probably again, tie goes to the runner. So, yeah. and I did not really study hard, which I should have the goalies, but the goalies right now, this is really a situation where you need another goal and you need another save. Mm. Because the well under eight save percentage that they have, not only on the year, but especially since the break, it's not cutting it.
1: No, and uh, as we're chatting with Peter Labardi, it's the color voice of the Calgary Flames here. That's where we'll go uh, next here, Lou. Dan Vladar set to get the start in goal for the Calgary Flames. Jacob Markstrom got the start. In Denver, obviously, not the performance they were hoping for. Uh, but Jacob did miss practice yesterday as well, uh, as he welcomed in the birth of his first child of his first child with his partner. Uh, so we're very happy to hear about that. But uh, they do go to Dan yeah, Vladar, indeed. and um, I, I don't know that there's there's anything to read into it, Lou, other than Markstrom didn't do enough to keep the ball rolling into this start and. They're going to try it again with Dan. I mean, maybe you can say it's, it's his old team if you want to go down that road. I don't. I don't even know if the Flames are looking that deep at it when it comes to their goaltending right now.
0: Well, all I can talk about is Daniel Vladar. You know, who had a nice outing way back in November against his old team, even though the team lost the game three to one in Boston. I haven't seen the same Daniel Vladar since the break that I saw prior. That's all I want to see tonight. He he does not look quite as assured of himself. He has looked a little like having this opportunity and wanting to do incredibly well probably has put more, I mean, it's a whole team, frankly, I think that is put way too much pressure on themselves, but I also understand why athletes and why individuals do that. So you know they need a great start from a goalie they might need a goalie performance to get out of this where when was the last time a calgary flame goalie was one of the three stars
1: it's been a while
0: in the last in the last 22 games logan they're going to need those yeah you you might need at least that guy to be in consideration in half your games, whoever it is. And you're certainly likely to need it tonight and Thursday night. Can you win the special teams goal battle or at least draw even? And can your goalie be as good as the guy at the other end? And it's been penalty killing, frankly, which statistically has been good on the whole year, but it's in a funk right now, too. And I know where Daryl looks. Mm -hmm. Daryl looks at how many they've given up. And as I take a look right now, I count six, if I'm doing the math quickly and correctly, where they've given up at least one power play goal in six games in a row.
1: Not good enough. We'll see if they can change that narrative uh, tonight. 6 o'clock, you can hear Lou on Flames warm-up with Pat Steinberg. 7 o'clock, Derek and Lou on the call right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Before I say goodbye to you, Lou, today is a special anniversary. I'm curious if you know what I'm talking about when I say that to you.
0: I do not, actually. Uh, 13 years
1: ago today uh, in Vancouver, a pretty cool moment.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Is today the twenty eighth of February?
1: Today is the twenty eighth of February.
0: Yes, yeah, thirteen years ago. Do I know where I was? Yes. Yep. It was in the. I was actually. I sat in the media section in the Olympic Games with, that I didn't get to call. But that game, because space was limited, I ended up standing with jerry dobson sean mccormick and my good luck sporting event human jamie campbell um at one end of the building on gold medal day and yes i'm shocked that and i'm sure you're shocked that my mind didn't go there immediately um Yeah, amazing hockey game. I've just been so lucky and, you know, fortunate to be in attendance in 2002, which is still my favorite sporting day of all time. Um, 2010 wasn't far behind, but it was a very different experience for me because, you know, it was a lifelong dream of calling the Olympic Games as a broadcaster and as a play-by-play broadcaster, um, even though I wasn't, You know, wasn't Gord Miller or Chris Cuthbert who deservedly split the Canadian games, and I didn't get any of those, which is fine. I just, I could have washed bottles for those guys and been a part (laughs) of it and been a okay. Um, Yeah, those, special. Special three weeks, special final day. Um, You know, and to see Sidney Crosby have that moment where he scored the golden goal and the way Chris Cuthbert handled it so brilliantly on his call and that's really where I got to know Chris and um, you could not be a bigger fan of a fellow broadcaster than I am of Chris Cuthbert he for me is everything that is right about this business about how he works how he treats teammates and I'll never forget it you know Chris and I knew one another for years But I'll never forget, we were together on a practice day in Vancouver. And it's really where I got to know him for a couple days in a row. And let's just say not everybody involved in the event was at every practice that day for every team. And not everybody was standing by the glass to watch Norway as closely as he was. And so when I spent that day with him and I saw the work and preparation and the notebook, I went, I get it. I believe in it, and I know why he's great.
1: One of the best and uh, one of the best moments thirteen years ago today for Canadian hockey fans as Sidney Crosby scored the golden goal in Vancouver. Lou, you're the best, sir. We'll see you at the Dome later tonight, hey?
0: Okay, have a good afternoon. Be safe on the roads, everybody. It's yes. uh, It's very slick today.
1: Yes, take care, everybody. See you, Lou. Bye now. Peter Labardius, is the color voice of the Calgary Flames, joins us every single day to kick off the program, and he's brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. Now offering air miles, reward miles, visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. That's a massive test for the Calgary Flames against the Boston Bruins tonight. All your coverage right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We'll take a break. Come back on the other side. Time for our Tuesday chat with Sportsnet 650's Big Nazar. It's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
0: You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Welcome back to the program. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Sportsnet Today. You're on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Coming to you live from the Douglasie's Basement Systems Downtown studios. Time for our regular Tuesday chat down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Welcome in our pal from Sportsnet six fifty in Vancouver. Bic Nazar joins us this afternoon. Bick, how's it going, man? Always good. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh team tank with a bit of a unfortunate result last night. It was exciting, but uh you were so close. I could feel that review coming back, the extra point. Coming off the board, but the refs had to ruin it, and uh, sure enough, Kuzmenko's 28th of the year counts, and the Canucks with the upset over the Stars, and you get that much further away from Connor Bedard. That must be a, a tough result last night in Canucks land. Uh,
2: sure, yeah. Some some fans are annoyed with it. <laughs> I'm having I'm having this regular to and fro uh, on the shows now uh, with with Team Tankists because like I'm getting this constant argument is like tanking is not guaranteeing results. No taking is the process of decreasing the probability of victory. And sure, when they get a couple of results, people are like, Oh my goodness, how don't they know? It's like, well, no, they don't care. They don't care. All they're trying to do is put out a twenty one year old goalie for more time than more teams have ever done and roster an AHL defense at the NHL level. It's like they're trying, but the player's gonna try too, and it's just it's a constant back and forth right now.
1: A couple of uh, interesting storylines going around for the Canucks right now. And last night uh, was the return in goal for Thatcher Demko. Uh, there's been lots of, of talk around Thatcher's future with the team. You know, how what led to all of these injuries for him. I guess just give us a bit of the process, what it looked like for Thatcher last night and how this has kind of come about. What was originally, what was the, the original diagnosis? Was it six weeks, Bick? And it turned into yeah. this really long, drawn-out process.
2: Yeah, multiple months uh, turned out for Thatcher Demko. Uh, His last start was uh, December 1st uh, of last year, and then here we are, end of February, he gets back into the net. So really prolonged process for Thatcher Demko, and I'm glad they took the time because he looked phenomenal last night, right? Like this whole thing of getting him back in, it's do right by the player. Try to do everything you can to make sure he is absolutely 100% because he's your franchise goalie. And he looked phenomenal last night. And there were early season struggles. I, I'd have to go back and watch the early season again, but I don't recall him looking like that uh, at all. Just just from a physical standpoint. like He still gave up four goals, but from a physical standpoint, I don't know if we ever really saw the best version of Thatcher Demko to begin the year, and he was 3-10-2 to begin the year, and the numbers were struggled so much. But he just looked like his regular, athletic, powerful self. There was a, a sequence uh, right before... Uh, the second goal that they gave up uh, where Pavelski's got this wraparound and he gets all the way to the post and seals that one. And as the gold medal scramble's scramble is happening, Mero Heiskin is there on the other post puck comes to him and Demko somehow from like a practically seated position, able to slide to the other post as well and seal that one as well. So he, he, he looked really, really strong, uh, just from a physical standpoint and, probably a big sigh of relief for Canucks management because if they're planning on doing this, uh, threading the needle rebuild, retool on the fly, whatever you want to call it, you're going to need your goalie to be ready for next season. And you want to be able to see him perform at his best. And look, we can get into the trade conversation as well. I'm a little skeptical, something like that could materialize, but nevertheless, just seeing Thatcher Demko at his best is a good thing uh, for whatever direction they intend to take the team.
1: Yeah, you know, let's dive into that that trade aspect of it because his name has started to pop up across, you know, different insiders and you know different trade rumors. Bick, and it's interesting the way you put it because yeah, it is kind of a an interesting spot for the Canucks because on one hand you hear a lot of people whether it's Alvin or Rutherford who talked earlier in the year say look we don't we don't intend for this to be a long drawn out process that's going to be five or six years down the road. So if you were to follow that narrative, you would think that still at 27 years old, Thatcher Demko fits into those plans. But there it is when you're usually, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire when it comes to to NHL insiders. What did you make of the fact that his name's been out there more? And does that fit what you think the Canucks are trying to do here?
2: Uh, And and more importantly, not just 27 years old, like multiple years left at $5 million Mm -hmm. on the cap. Really good cap yeah, it's a really strong cap hit. And so if you're trying to, again, excel, not accelerate rebuild, but if you're trying to look at why this can work faster than the normal, it's because you have value contracts at pivotal positions. And look, do I think teams have asked? Absolutely. Because what GM isn't doing their job to try to find a, a potential goalie, especially when you look at some of the teams that might've been inquiring Pittsburgh's and your LA's and whatnot, but I, I just think there's too many levers the Canucks can pull before they get to a Thatcher Demko trade to try to inject some uh, more assets into this organization. And if we're looking at it from a point of they do want to compete next year and, you know, we were talking about this on the, the post game show last night, that next year might be a free roll and then really load up for 2025. And that's when this really starts to turn a corner. But if you start looking at, you know, boxes that they've checked here as an organization, Well, they have most of their forward group kind of solved to some degree, right? They have Pedersen, who's really continuing to take steps as a number one center. They have multiple top six wingers. Beauvilliers is really sliding in well. That might be more circumstance playing with a Pedersen, and nevertheless, he's producing at a point-of-game pace in the 11 games he's been here because Manko's really flourishing and continues to get better. Mikhaev, we didn't even get to see the best version of him, but I thought – Fairly productive and fit in well with Patterson. And You can even put him with JT Miller. Put Coles in, Looks like he's taking a step. Josh was been someone that's uh, filled in in the depth role. They bring in an Ratu. Maybe he's off away in the AHL next year. But they're starting to fill all these pieces. Throw in Quinn Hughes. They have to work on the defense. That's the main thing. But I don't know if you want to pull the Demko lever to say, Hey, we need to use multiple assets. We need to get in multiple assets in the blue line. I just feel like there's other things that they can pull prior to getting to something like Thatcher Demko.
1: One guy I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, not a major move for this team, but one that could be a low-risk, high-reward. Vitaly Kratsov comes over as what we're thinking is the Rangers getting rid of cap space to bring in Patrick Kane at some point this week. He made his Canucks debut yesterday. It was just under nine minutes of ice time, so not a lot for his first time in, in Canucks color, so I, I don't think we need the breakdown big, but I guess just – your thought process on the Canucks taking a chance on a guy that didn't work out in New York and has a high first round uh, draft pedigree to his name.
2: It's the type of trade that we don't see enough, honestly, in the NHL, right? Like I'm a big proponent of teams should be trying to make more transactions just to see, hey, some get, sometimes teams or players just need fresh starts and take on another team's problem and see if you can be the one that solves it. And we, you know, we just generally don't see enough trades and transactions in the NHL. So, Take it on, see what you can do. It was uh, uh, hardly a debut yesterday with just, you know, eight and change uh, on the ice. Uh, but it's a it's type of transaction that this team is just trying to unearth uh, new value elsewhere or, or in the organization. And they need to go about finding players from those types of draft classes, that, that 2019 to 2021 draft class, because th- this team went, Multiple draft classes without a top 80 pick. Danila Klimovic was the only one, and they did it in consecutive years. And so there's this backfill that's just not going to get uh, the, the, there's, there's no succession plan of talent coming through at a certain age range. And you look at if they move on from a Brock Besser or a Connor Garland, where are some scoring potential wingers going to be coming from? Here comes Vitaly Kraftstoffs and just do a cameo here, see if it works. And if it doesn't, nothing lost because it was Will Lockwood in the late pick. And if it works, you solved a problem. Uh, And and I'm not even talking about works that he goes to reclaim his ninth overall status, just play NHL games and, and be a meaningful player. Uh, That could be just a big win from, for the Vancouver Canucks, just given what they gave up for him.
1: I will ask you about a couple of the, the Canucks that are still on the trade block that we've talked about for the last couple of weeks in, in Brock Besser and Luke Shen, but there's been some interesting connecting of the dots over the last 24 hours between JT Miller and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, there seems to be some belief that there is a market for JT Miller and that in the right circumstance, uh, the Canucks could move out the forward who just signed a massive extension with the team going back to the offseason. season. Um, Pittsburgh's placed a couple of players on waivers today, and we've had a few people going back and wondering if that's not a fit. I, I don't even know if it's if it's about Pittsburgh itself, Bick. But do you see a world where JT Miller could actually be on his way out in
2: Vancouver? I'm kind of getting to the point where with Patrick Alvin, uh, nothing's going to surprise me. Uh, so prepare for anything. I'm. I think to what you said there, in the right circumstance is the thing that's required. I think there's teams that look at it and say, hey, the right circumstances, they're just trying to get off the money and we can get them for a song. I don't think that's a scenario here, right? Mm -hmm. If if a trade is to materialize, I think it would be one of those things that you look at and say, okay, that makes some sense. Is it odd that they sign a contract and they make a trade? For sure it is. But I think it would be one of those types of trades you look at and say, I can see why Vancouver is motivated to do this. They're getting some assets back. They're getting some more draft picks back. It would be that style of trade, a, a traditional, you know, hockey trade to some degree. Maybe not player for player, but it would be the type of trade that you look at and say, you can see what Vancouver is trying to accomplish, even though it's, you know, nine months removed from them handing out a contract.
1: Is the uh, the focus still on those two guys I mentioned earlier heading into Friday? Is it still wondering if? something can happen with Shannon Besser ahead of Friday's deadline.
2: Yeah. Like we've talked about before. And actually I'll, I'll go back to just JT Miller too, about the Pittsburgh link. Mm-hmm. And just in general, like it, it's so hard for me to see teams that want to take on the $8 million. Now, Pittsburgh does have some money for Cal space next year. So that does make some sense, but like that's why I'm so skeptical because the money aspect of of this complicates so much. And it's the Brock Besser equation too. It's, as I mentioned with you before, I don't doubt at all that there's motivation on Vancouver's part to try to move up Brock Besser. The agent is working on a trade and constantly doing interviews publicly of working on the idea of trying to make a trade. It's just the money aspect of it is so difficult to work out. And, you know, Brock's not necessarily helping himself a great deal with how he's, uh, playing right now, though, the points have been there overall. It's 38 points in 52 games, but he's at minus 22. And here recently, as Andre Kuzmenko has kind of reclaimed his spot, uh, Brock's defensive game has really slid down. He's a dash nine in the last eight games. Ooh. And it's really tough here. In in a pivotal time, as teams are circling and scouting all these players and thinking, okay, where is this guy right now in his game? As we get ready for this playoff push, it's, it's not really trending in a good direction. And I'm sure the speculation isn't helping, but you got to be able to help the management group to try to make a trade by playing well, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Luke Shan is the one that I just feel like will fit like a glove for so many teams. You know, we wondered last week on the post-game show about Pittsburgh specifically uh, fitting in with Shan just because you look at the style of Demon they have, it just doesn't feel like they have the type of, player type that Luke Shen represents that physicality, he's always filling the box score with hits, he, you're going be hard-pressed to find a game where Luke Shen doesn't have three hits at least and you need a bit of backbone, a little bit of spine uh, Luke Shen will bring that in spades for a team, I just wonder if Pittsburgh's that destination, uh, and we're just waiting for uh, roster spots to open up and that's why I look at the the, the Mark Friedman uh, waiver claims or the, the, the wavering, and I just wonder if that's the spot that starts to open up for luke
1: shen we're sharing with bick nazar from sportsnet 650 in vancouver our regular tuesday chat with bick and of course talk all things canucks but uh general nhl topics anything that's really uh going on around the league and uh it's been a busy 48 to 72 hours across the nhl because uh we had our own mini trade deadline edition on sunday uh and now it sounds as though according to frank Saravalli from daily face off that Uh, The New York Rangers will, in fact, be acquiring Patrick Kane at some point today. Uh, There's been some massive moves uh, outside of anything that we've talked about so far. What's caught your eye so far about the trades that we've seen in the NHL in the last couple of days?
2: Yeah, just uh, I, I think the... The volume picked up, oh, maybe a little earlier than I expected. Uh, much of the chagrin of us broadcasters, because we're wondering what's going to be <laughs> talked about on Friday. Uh, I'm sure you're. Do- I'm sure you're doing a trade deadline show as well. Like, yes, hey, sir. <laughs> say something for Friday, but just the overall volume to me has is, is rather surprised me. Because you know, I, I think we can always always be critical of uh, NHL GMs, maybe not have enough uh, creativity, but. You go back to the Orlov move, right, Minnesota getting involved, and and that's a creative way. Obviously, someone's going to have to get involved in this cane trade. It wouldn't shock me, to be honest, if it was Vancouver, because I know there's a motivation to try to uh, be involved as a third-party broker at some point. So whether it's a cane one or something else that uh, materializes, uh, something to keep an eye out. But uh the creativity and and, and the length of conditions on like the Timo Meyer trade. So uh, NHL GMs uh, deserve a little bit of credit of getting some work done in advance and finding different ways to solve problems. Like the Tanners are no one. uh, That's a very creative trade that maybe we wouldn't have seen a handful of years ago, but Tampa Bay just, uh, for me, Tampa Bay is so smart at identifying the things that they need. And they, I think price the, trades accurately for how it's going to fit into their team uh because of we can look at it and say well they gave up so many picks but once they get this juno contract sealed like i imagine it's going to reside somewhere in the range of nine to 12 billion dollars and when we traditionally look at how you move money about, about how would you look at that as draft picks and i think the the second third fourth fifth will probably match that price range
1: yeah, it's interesting. I was talking about the Tampa thing yesterday on my show, too, and I, I just love it from a perspective of we have a certain window and we're going to try to win in this window. And uh, 100%. obviously, you know, and you're right. As you break it down to, you know, quantity over quality and all the sort of things that Tampa Bay puts in it. I just like the basis of going for it. And even, uh, you know, as I'm sure, you know, in the Western thing, no one loves talking about Toronto around here, but. I have to give Kyle Dubas props, man. At least he's going out and trying something and he's making an effort to, to go. Mm-hmm. Who cares that it's Tampa Bay likely in round one? I'm going to try and, and give my team every chance to win. I, I
2: would love to see
1: more of that across the league.
2: And, and on the Tampa thing, like, how many times in our life are we going to see a team have a Vezina winner, a Norris winner, a Hart winner, one of the best goal scorers of our generation and a great captain, two different Selkie caliber centers? These are all different people, by the way, right? It's, yep. it's not like, oh, one guy's mold, won multiple awards. This is different people. And I just think when you look at, like, what's the tougher task to accomplish? We can say they're giving away their future and they're trading all these picks. But is it tougher to replicate that? or is it tougher to try to win one or two more cups with what you have? And from Tampa's point of view, like we can sit here and say, Hey, that trade is an overpayment in a vacuum, but you have to look at what they're trying to accomplish with what they have right now. And you have, if you're not respecting the competitive windows, then, then I think you're missing the plot, right? Like all the transactions don't just live in a silo uh, and Toronto, like, yeah, good on them. Uh, how many chances are they going to have, a better team with Matthews and Nylander having these types of seasons and, you know, you throw in Marner, right? Like, this could have a shelf life. And if they don't get it right now, um, you know, John Tavares is not getting any younger. Is he going to be better at age 33, 34? Uh, so take your shot when you have it. And uh, the defense, you know, for me is playing pretty well. You're getting great seasons at of Lily and Sandin. Um I, I would look at this and say, why not push your chips?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm all for it. I know that some people sit there and go, "Oh, well, if you lose in the first round, I mean, well, what if you win in the first round?" I I hate that mentality mm. of of you know we all for not well yeah okay but if you didn't do it and you never got past Tampa Bay, then what what was even the point of trying I, it all in the first place? So
2: this is like this is legit the bane of my existence on the show right now. Like I'm I'm done listening to people that don't want to compete right? Like, no, exactly. This is competitive sports. Okay. Yeah. We might lose. It happens. You process it and you go away, you lick your wounds and you come back to speed again. That's what this is about, right? Like waiting for tomorrow. That may never come. I don't understand it. This is their chance right now. They got a great, great chance. And they pushed Tampa Bay so far last year. They can absolutely knock off Tampa Bay just because it's the Toronto Maple Leafs and they always lose in the first round. Doesn't mean you shouldn't try again.
1: Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's fun and it 's hilarious, and we will mock them incessantly when it happens and when you do lose in the first round, but don't get me wrong and don't and don't give me the the playoff format thing or this or the no I, i'm not here for oh well, if we only made the first round matchups easier, what is the point of the Stanley Cup playoffs? Is it the easiest path to to victory i I, I forgot oh, yeah. where that was the the impotence of what we were doing here big that that was the you know, the gravestone headline of all of it, what well, was the easiest path to Stanley Cup? Who wants the easiest path ever? I mean, I get it. Yes, you would want to win Stanley Cups, but I just, I'm with you. It's just that this, I don't know if it's a fear of being on, on the other side of it now because social media is so harsh on people and uh, the reactions come so fast and furious at you, but there's just this lack of, of I don't even know what what the right word is for it, but there's just some, some teams that have it and you know, like Tampa Bay, and they sit there and go, Look, we're we're here, we're now, we're living for it, and we're going to worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. And not enough teams do that, in my opinion.
2: Take these opportunities as challenges, not uh, obstacles. Yeah. But, uh You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, and I, I just on, to, on top of that, too, like the East playoffs are going to be amazing. Yes. And I like the idea that these teams are saying, Well, will they load it up? I guess we're not going to. No, like, ice your best roster. And let's see the carnage that is going to be the Eastern playoffs. And someone's going to come out of it. And I, I think we're going to see the, like some of the best hockey we've seen in recent years because they're adding all this talent. So, you know, we've talked about, it, like, I'm pro chasing greatness. And to, to do that, you need a war chest, and you need to be able to, to hit your ceiling. And some of these teams are going to have to try to hit their ceilings. And I think it's going to be great to see.
1: Agreed. big. thanks for the time, as always, man. Really appreciate it. We'll check with you again next week post-trade deadline, pal. We'll see what happens. Take care, man. Big Bizarre, Sportsnet 650, our regular Tuesday guest here on Sportsnet today, joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. We'll kick off hour two. Hear from a couple members of the Calgary Flames on a game day and a trade that we've been waiting for about a couple weeks now. Sounds like it's on the goal line and just about to be pressed through. We'll tell you who's going where next here on Sportsnet 960, the Fan.